Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. I thought I'd um, carry on where I left off last time. Luke's Gospel, trying to dig through what the, the upside-down kingdom looks like. Here's a quick reminder of where we went in the first chapter. The angel Gabriel shows up uh, at the temple when Zechariah is there. He's freaked out, two reasons. One is he wasn't expecting to see an angel that day. Number two, he's told that even though he's ancient, his post-menopausal wife, who is barren, is going to have a baby. And so, not uh, surprisingly, Zechariah doesn't believe him. And because he doesn't believe the angel, the angel makes him mute. He can't speak. He can't make a noise, but he can make a baby. So he goes home and he makes baby. Impressive, wonderful things. And Elizabeth uh, uh, kind of wants to protect what, what's gone on, and so she disappears for five months, hides herself away. And we learned this. The point of the upside-down kingdom in chapter 1 was that God blesses barren people, that God uses the barren to bless, that the barren become bountiful, that they produce life. And so we move on through Luke chapter 1, to Gabriel's second encounter, his second New Testament encounter with God's people. And this is the big one. This is the really exciting one, the most important one, the one that all the angels wanted this job. And uh, and Gabriel gets it. Of all the angel visitations in the Bible, this is the greatest. You will never find a greater, more important visitation of an angel anywhere else in Scripture. It is the most exciting, the most important. Gabriel gets to tell Mary, the Virgin Mary, that she's going to give birth to a son, not just any old son, but the very Son of God. I'm not sure what the selection process was for uh, for Gabriel to get the job. I like to I think there must have been some kind of heavenly auditioning that went on there. You know, who's got the friendliest voice? Who's the least scary? Whitest wings? All that kind of stuff. And you know, they've probably been discussing this moment in heaven for like ages, like ages and ages. Like for eternity past, one day God has said, there will be one of you and I will send you to earth. And you'll meet a lady, a girl, a young girl by the name of Mary. And you're going to give her possibly the most exciting news of all time. They can't wait. Like they have been on tender hooks of excitement for what is going to happen. And they've been discussing the words. You imagine Gabriel when he got the job and he's like, Cha-ching! greatest moment of all time. Greatest angel. He is like, he has been practicing his lines like over and over. This is what's going to happen. She'll probably be there. I'll pop up. Boom. And then this is what I will bring. He's been waiting for the perfect moment. Practiced and practiced. How do I appear without her passing out? How do I tell her this news without her freaking out? And then the day comes. Gabriel turns up in Nazareth. Purcell white clothes. Confident voice. Lots of smiles. Greetings. 
you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. It's moment to shine. The, the performance which is going to inspire a million kids in nativity plays around the world. And how did he do? It's moment. I love this passage. Mary was greatly troubled. Mary's greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Like, he had one line, one job, and the future of God's own son is, uh, the mother of God's own son is deeply troubled. Again, you know what that is in the Greek. Like, they underestimate what that is. She's freaking out. Like, he, he had one line. He didn't want to scare her because she's the mother of God's son, and she is deeply troubled. But I love this next line. She says, like, you can almost hear her. She's got a northern accent. She's from Nazareth. She's like, what kind of greeting is that? <laughs> like, who says that? Why would you do that? You're crazy. I love, I love Mary in that tone. But, but it sounds like she's really critical of his delivery. He's been waiting for like an eternity to pop up and say his one line. But Mary, Mary actually isn't critical. She, it sounds like she's really unimpressed. Like, really? You had one chance and you said it like that? But what's, what, what the passage is saying is she's just confused. Like, she's, she's baffled. Mary thinks that, that Gabriel has turned up to the wrong house. That maybe he's made a mistake. He's in the wrong place, speaking to the wrong person. She doesn't recognize the name, the statement that Gabriel says. And when I was 16 or 17, I, my pastor uh, got a prophetic word for me. It didn't happen often when I was young. But she had this prophetic word that I was a mighty man of valor. And so she decided she would rename me Mighty Man of Valor. So it meant whenever she saw me, she never referred to me as Sam. She'd say, good morning, Mighty Man of Valor. Because she wanted to speak over me what she felt like heaven had given her for me. And I was like, definitely called Sam. Uh, definitely. And, uh, but she wanted, to, she wanted it to be me. Mighty Man of Valor, Mighty Man of Valor. All the time, Mighty Man of Valor. And that is what is going on here. Gabriel turns up and speaks the words that heaven, that heaven thinks she is. And so she doesn't recognize the name. Gabriel's job is to call her out on heaven's view. You who are highly favored. You on whom God's favor rests. On God, God's grace rests upon you. Mary is looking around for somebody else like, really me? Really? Because she doesn't think she fits the bill. Surely you don't, you don't mean me. And here's the second evidence of the upside down kingdom. God is a lover of the lowly. God, God desires the disregarded. The forgettable are favored. Mary is proper ordinary. As much as certain people within the Christian faith would like to make us some holy than holy, like stand apart, incredible, she is ordinary. 
She's regular. She is insignificant. There's nothing remarkable about her. She has not uh, achieved great things. She's only young. She's not of noble birth. She hasn't got famous parents. She's not an internet sensation. She is not rich. She's not been kept aside for some holy purpose. Nobody has taken notice of her. She is unnoticed and unknown to men of power and position. She is unimportant. But yet heaven call her favored. God declares that she is highly favored. That all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving creator and ruler calls out this unknown and unimportant girl and says, on you the favor of God rests. You are highly favored. God is often misunderstood. We think that the great God goes for great people, that the powerful God likes powerful people, but his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Our God delights in the underdog. God is incredible. He could have chosen royalty. He could have chosen the daughter of a high priest. He could have chosen a rich girl or a girl from Jerusalem, but he chooses Mary from Nazareth. Nazareth has got a really poor reputation. Like the phrase about Nazareth, it was a bit of a, a, a joke. People would say, is anything good ever come from Nazareth? Does anything good happen there? Does anybody good come out of it? No, they don't. It is small and unimportant. People think that maybe there was 150 residents in that place. It's not a big city. It's a small micro town overshadowed by a big Roman city not too far away. It is a dump, unpopular, pointless place. And there, God's favor is shown. He is the lover of the lowly. And that's great news. I don't know about you, but I want in on that kingdom. I want to worship a king who is the lover of the lonely and the, and the limited, who faces and favors the unfortunate. There in obscurity, Gabriel says to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. Just in case you didn't understand me first time around, let me tell you again and stick your name right in the middle. Don't be afraid, Mary, this one's for you. You are highly favored. You found favor with God. There it is again. You are favored by God. I'd just be pleased to still be alive. Like face to face with a bright white, you know, bird man. I'd be chuffed to still be living. And here he is declaring the favor of God. How incredible is that? Wouldn't you just love to hear the favor of God? Like wouldn't you just love to hear something from heaven speak over you that you are highly favored? I would love to hear that today. And he builds from there. You will conceive and give birth to a son. Wow. Like, like highly favored. And then here's like the big bit. Like you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and you'll call him Jesus. We're going to give you the name. You don't get to pick the name. Here's the name. It means Jehovah is Savior. And you're like, cool name. 
He will be great. That's good to know. And he will be called the son of the most high. And you're like, this is getting serious now. Called the son of the most high. How is this going to happen? The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. My word. Like, is she beginning to freak out or is she kind of, kind of excited? This kid could be a little bit special and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Like, if you're not shaking at that, man, by the end, I'd have to just, let's just have a stop and a lie down. I'm expecting the next line to be, and Mary was overwhelmed. Mary was freaked out. That Greek word, tarosso, pooped her pants. But Mary seems more inquisitive than scared. How will this be? Uh, since I am a virgin. She's just looking for more details. I love that. It says, it doesn't say, and so Mary needed to have a lie down. It says, like, she's saying, just tell us how that's going to happen. She doesn't question it as a possibility. She says, how will this be? She's like, it's a faith question. I believe you, but just could you clarify how this is going to happen? Because we're not really up to that stage of life yet. You know, I'm betrothed, but there isn't, you know, the union. (laughs) Tell me more. That's all she's saying. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Check out the details. The whole Trinity are involved. The Holy Spirit will come and rest upon her. The power of God, the Most High, will overshadow her. And then this baby, the Son of God, will begin to grow in her. In short, you will remain a virgin, but the power and the presence of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit will all work together. And this is on. And I'm like, the next question is, and when approximately will this take place? And we don't get to know that. It really frustrates me. Like, I'd love it if she was given a day and a time when that was all going to happen. But you know what's exciting is the incarnation starts here. We kind of get like lost in thinking the incarnation starts on Christmas Day when Jesus uh, like is birthed. But this is the beginning of Three decades of the most incredible stuff. Where is God in all this stuff? He's occupied with an unknown northern girl who is just about to change the very course of history. This is an upside down kind of story. I wish I had Mary's like account. Like if Mary had just written a few things down for us, it'd be so good. I want to know about the overshadowing moment. I wanted, I wanted to describe if, there was, if it felt different. But you know what? This is an upside down kingdom. And I bet the moment when the, 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 the most high overshadowed her, when the Holy Spirit came upon her, I bet it was totally ordinary. I bet it was completely insignificant. I bet it was quiet. I bet it was maybe during her sleep. As she lay down that night to go to bed, I wonder if all heaven went wild. But nobody knew. Nobody could hear. There was no fanfare. There was no like 
a choir of angels all doing their thing. Here comes God. You know, (laughs) vital signs, putting in work. No drama. And maybe that's extra biblical. But this stuff is an upside down stuff. The immortal, invisible God is planted in the womb of a young, unknown girl from an unpopular place. Jesus empties himself. The, the, the kind of theoretical word is called kenosis. The kenosis of Christ happens now. He empties the fullness of himself into a few cells inside the womb of this young girl. He didn't see equality with God as something to be grasped, but he took on human form. He let go of his his immortality and he becomes this cluster of cells. From being everything, he becomes almost nothing. From being the creator, he becomes the created. And we can picture Jesus in the flesh. We like the idea of baby Jesus, little baby Jesus, fresh from the womb. But right now we're talking about fetus Jesus. But that feels kind of wrong, doesn't it? Like the one who created all things in that weird little shape, that, that weird fetus. I love those growth charts. You know, when you've got a friend who's pregnant and they start posting like week eight it's the size of a if we got something like that for the board there you know you get poppy seed like it's just the size of a poppy seed uh week one size of a poppy seed and then it's like week 40 size of a watermelon i like this one junk food size baby chart blueberry size jesus lemon size jesus he risked it all I've lost you now. You're not going to pay any attention to me. The the, the author, Michael Frost, says this. The beauty and scandal of the gospel is that God in Christ takes on flesh and asks for help. This is the upside down nature of the kingdom that the rescuer, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, takes on the flesh of those he came to save and needs to be inside a tummy. He needs Mary. A fallen, broken, sinful girl. God, the rescuer, would need us. How incredible and profound is this? I'm in awe of God. He is incredible. His ways are far beyond our ways. The theologian Wayne Grudem says this. He describes this as the most amazing miracle in the entire Bible. Far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing than the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal son of God could become man and join himself to a human nature forever. So that the infinite God became one person with infinite man will remain for eternity the most profound miracle and the most profound mystery in the universe. It feels wrong to say anything's more like miraculous than the resurrection. 
But this is profound, that the eternal God, the immortal God, would make himself mortal man and be placed within the stomach of a girl from Nazareth. It makes no sense. The kingdom, do you see, is an upside-down kingdom. It's just incredible. But what if Mary had said no? What if the angel Gabriel had turned up and said all this stuff and she said, I don't want it. I don't fancy it. It's not for me. Wrong house. Start again. But she doesn't say that. She says this. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. How cool is Mary? Like facing the most profound, overwhelming, shocking, like what kind of news. She says this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Your word to me be fulfilled. I love her courage. I wish I shared that courage. I love how faith-filled she is. I wish I had faith like Mary had. You know, there's a, a monastic prayer rhythm where you... Where you um, where you pray through five different times of the day, five prayers from the early books of um, early chapters of Luke. And the, the day starts with this prayer of Mary. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Start the day every day. I am your servant. I'm yours. Do with me as you wish. I'm yours. Have your way in me. I'm yours. Use me for your purpose. What a great way to kickstart your day. I am your servant. Whatever you ask, I will do. But let's stop there. We could go on and look at Mary's song. We'll do that next time. Incredible song. Wonderful song. An upside down kingdom kind of song. You know what? Let me finish with this. The angel Gabriel says to Mary, She is favored by God. He says, you are highly favored. You know, there's only two people in the scriptures that are called highly favored. Mary's one of them. And the other is you. The only other time that that word, highly favored, is used is in Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. And it says this. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. What he's saying is, so we praise God for those on whom his favor rests because they belong to his son, Jesus. So we praise God for those who are highly favored in Christ. Paul writes that those who belong to Christ are highly favored. Today, I am not an angel. My name is not Gabriel. As I've just said, it's mighty man of valor. If you'd refer to me by that, I'd be most blessed. But I can bring the same word that was spoken over Mary all those years ago. The word of the Lord to you today is, you are highly favored. The grace of God rests upon you. This is an upside-down kingdom. Today, you might feel unworthy, unpopular, unimportant. You might feel like you're from a northern town. 
You might feel unfamous, pointless, or whatever it might be, unworthy. Today, the word of the Lord to you is you are highly favored. On you, the favor of God rests. On you, his grace rests. The grace of God Almighty rests upon you. So receive it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 